From the Tiger Cats Audio Network, this is Tiger Cats Game Day with Bubba O'Neill and Courtney Stephen. Oh, well, you gotta love that old school gridiron music. It only can mean one thing. It is game day on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. Just an important clash for the Hamilton Tiger Cats as they have traveled to the province of Alberta. And at the five and five cats are meeting the two and seven Edmonton Elks, not the Eskimos folks, the Elks and Courtney Steven is joining me, a man who roamed the secondaries in the CFL for over a decade. And boy, Courtney, this is a big one for the Tiger Cats. Hey, Bubba, you know, when it's getting cold outside, that means the football games cost a little bit more. Every every play is just a bit bigger. Every opportunity means that much more. So this is a good opportunity for the Ticats to extend that season a little bit further. Hey, I'm talking temperature, and I know we're in southern Ontario, and we're kind of complaining about the cold, but really, we're in a mild situation. At kickoff, which is only about a couple hours away from now, you are looking at zero one plus one to zero by the time they have a 730 uh, Western time kickoff at, uh, I guess, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium is what they're calling it nowadays. I mean, that stadium is tough to play in, but when you're coming from the east, making that trip on the flight and you get off without a parka because you're coming from fall directly into winter, those are the days where I am 100% certain I made the right choice retiring. But the Thai Cats, they're they're going to be ready to play. You know, they haven't headed out west since about August 14th. That was their last time out there against Saskatchewan. So shake off the plane legs. It's time to go. I think they'll be ready to hit these uh, Edmonton Elks right where they need to hit them. Well, we've got about five factors that we're going to look at it for tonight's matchup that I think you really need to be going, going on. I mean, we have to go over here, discuss and really break down in terms of the Tiger Cats and the Elks as well, too, and how this matchup really shapes up. So we'll we'll look at the lineups for the Tiger Cats and the injuries. And here are a couple of things for you to consider, everyone. And of course, Courtney, I want you to comment. Darius Siraco, a game time decision. He's our center. Braylon Addison, no go. He's got the hamstring issue. Don Jackson gets the start at running back over Sean Thomas Erlington, who's a little banged up. Julian Hauser coming off that two-sack performance against the Ottawa Red Blacks. He's a game-time decision. And Frankie Williams, the special, reigning special teams player of the year, a no-go in terms of his defensive back work and kick returns. I'm going to ask you, Courtney, of those names that I named, that I just listed there, what's the most critical for the Tiger Cats? Well, when you're missing a guy like Frankie Williams, who's going to contribute in two phases of the game, that's a huge void to fill. So I'm looking to the offense to see if they can generate some field position and to generate some points on that scoreboard. In all of the losses that the Ticats have suffered in the last um, three of their losses, two of them were by one point. And the other was an overtime L against Montreal. So it's going to be critical that they're able to move the ball and get up the field. So I'm looking to Timmy White to come in here and really pick up some slack for where Braylon Addison is, is missing in that void. And also, it'll be interesting to see. I know Darius Sirocco is a game-time decision. So if he plays, that allows Don Jackson to play because you have to have that requisite number of Canadians on the field. So they're a little bit... Uh, married at the hip, if you will, because if Sirocco doesn't play, then that means a banged up Sean Thomas Erlington is going to have to step in and maybe he's 80% instead of 100. You want to have your guys all the way rested up heading into the last half of the season or into the back 
I guess this is like the back, uh, you know, third of the season at this point. Um, but John Don Jackson, he's an exciting guy too, who can generate some big explosive plays. You know, in 2018, he went over a thousand yards total with rushing and receiving. It's a guy I've been waiting to see. So um, Sirocco, Don Jackson, Tim White, these are the ones I'm looking for to create a spark for the Ticats. And you just brought up something there that I think I, we haven't touched on yet is the fact that you're, you're looking at an Elks team that has had a week off and are playing this game on a Friday. And the Tiger Cats basically had two days of practice. How difficult is that to turn around, travel out west and play a football game? It's tough. It's tough, especially when it's a team that you haven't played against. So, you know, coming off a of bye week, Edmonton has had a chance to break down film of probably the last three games that uh, Hamilton has played, whereas Hamilton, they don't have that time or that luxury to go deep in the archives. So they're really going to just focus on what they can do better from one week to the next, make sure that the focus is on correcting mistakes, uh, making those small tweaks to their bread and butter plays, but maybe throwing a wrinkle in here or there so that it wasn't as easy to game plan them. But Edmonton is definitely going to have a huge advantage in the scouting report area of this competition just because they've had so much more time. Let's talk about the Tiger Cats trending and how they are trending at this point. They're coming off that big blowout win. And we really talked about the fact that they've lost some close games. This could be a close game, again, based on the preparation, as you talked about. Is this team ready to make that step forward? Because at some point, you have to win these close games. It's, it's true. And honestly, I think the more close games that you're in earlier in the year, the more battle tested and hardened your team gets. You build that sense of camaraderie, that faith. You get that grit, knowing that in the fourth quarter, if you're down by one or two scores in the CFL, it's not over until it's over. You know, I think just under 50 percent of the games this year have been decided in the last three minutes. And that's typical of the CFL. So I think having a game that is close it may play to the Elks' favor, but we're looking at a Hamilton team who's been, you know, struggling to close out games. That's been the knock on them. So I think their point of emphasis is come out firing early and especially out of that second half. Let's see what they do in the third quarter to set the tempo to how they want to finish this game. If it's close and Edmonton's hanging around, it'll be a nail biter. But I think that the emphasis will be on Hamilton moving the ball getting points where they can and not letting this one get close. You know, this team may have had the hardest two games to start a season and having to travel on the opening season, the opening game of the season, ring ceremonies and banner raising in Winnipeg, who are the defending Grey Cup champions. And then they have to go over to the next province and play Saskatchewan and where may be the tip most difficult stadium to play in. So they lose their first two games of the season against the West. Then they win one versus Calgary. I, these games maybe don't mean as much against the, the West as they do in the East. But I think at this time of the season, when it's a 14-game regular season, that one and two record versus the West may be a little imposing and certainly needs to improve. And I think this is an opportunity for them to get one of those wins from outside the division. I mean, the East right now is the best race. You know, you got Montreal with six wins, Toronto with six wins, Hamilton right behind them with five. And these teams got to play each other. I mean, Montreal has a little bit of a tough schedule. They got Winnipeg two times, um, but 
Toronto and Hamilton still have to see each other. So stealing a win from the West division is going to be key going into this playoff race to see how these teams get positioned. But let's not forget that BC is also in this too, because if by some way they're able to finish ahead of the third place team in the East, then that would create that crossover opportunity. So I believe that the East is still playing BC. And when I say the East, I mean multiple teams from the East are going to play against BC. It's it's an interesting time of the year when we can do the math and see all these potential storylines playing out. The beautiful thing for Hamilton, though, it's still completely within their control. So if they just win the games that they have, they control their destiny. And maybe they can finish in first if Montreal takes an L. But no matter what, it's just about getting in the door. If they can get in the door, they got an opportunity to make a run for that cup. And we all know where the cup is at this year. Wow. And, and let's hope that the Tiger Cats are there. But, you know, and to get there and to win that cup, they're going to have to beat a West team overall. I, I mean, the crossover thing just doesn't seem to happen overall when you get to the big game. But let's stay with this thing about the, the Tiger Cats being out West. I mean, you played the game for a decade. For some reason, and th this trend never seems to fail year after year after year in the Canadian game. West teams seem to travel to the East, and I don't know why they don't seem to struggle as much. But when the East teams go West, why is it such a tougher game for these East teams, or at least a tougher task to come up with, come back home with a victory? Why is that? You know, I, I want to give you an excuse about the time zones, and I want to tell you about the cold weather because it, it is colder out west. And I think that's the Canada that people stereotype when the Americans come up and say, man, isn't it supposed to be cold up here? Don't you all live in igloos? I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're talking about Calgary and Edmonton. But, you know, the thing is, in the last few years, the West teams have been the power. You know, you've had you've had big name quarterbacks like Bo Levi. You've had Mike Riley's of the league. They've been out there really putting up numbers and making it tough to get wins on the road in the West. And, you know, you got to give these guys credit where credit's due. And it's not just them, but there's been imposing defenses on on a lot of these teams. Winnipeg is making it tough to win in the West also this year. So. Um, you know, without making any excuses for these guys, everybody here is a pro. And in the CFL, one of the greatest things about this league is the parity. You have nine teams. They're so familiar with each other. And every opportunity you get to play against, you know, somebody who you have a little bit of a history with, there's something that can come out of the blue that nobody expects. And that's when a name rises up, somebody we weren't expecting, and they make a huge play, right? Look at this season. Um, you know, we have new playmakers in the league that we didn't have last year. A guy like Tim White, for example, and this is a, this is a guy for us. He's a rookie, but he's popping up all over the place, making some plays. So um, I'm looking at him to be one of those X factors. It's a new name uh, and a guy that can give us a chance to maybe reverse some of those uh, historical trends. Winning in the West has been tough for East teams, but I, I think this Hamilton team in this season, 2021, has an opportunity to kind of reverse that trend and change the fortune of the East going out West. Let's talk a little bit about the Elks right now who have had, I mean, I think it's fair to say it's been a challenging season at two and seven for them. They're starting a rookie quarterback. I mean, they have acquired Nick Arbuckle from the Toronto Argonauts. They traded Trevor Harris a couple of weeks ago. It appears that Arbuckle will not be ready, or at least he hasn't absorbed enough of the offense. So they're going to put the ball again into the hands of Taylor Cornelius. I think if, is this fair to say, and I got, you got a smile on right now, but is it advantage Mark Washington defense here? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mark Washington has two players on his defense who have more career starts than Taylor Cornelius has pass attempts. (laughs) So, I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, he's here. He's a big guy. He can throw the ball, but the CFL game is one that takes a little bit of growth to get comfortable in. It's not your average game. If you didn't grow up playing Canadian football, getting the, the, the waggle, the field dimensions, the not having first down to just running, pick up three yards is something that you got to get used to. So, um, you know, Mark Washington being a veteran coordinator, he's going to want to put pressure on Cornelius, force him to see the defense, force him to diagnose, find the check down, get the ball out quickly. And I really think that's going to be one of the keys to this game is keeping him uncomfortable and forcing him to be patient. This defense is one of the strongest in the league in the Ticats have. You got the league leader in interceptions with um, Brooks, and then you have two of the leaders in pass breakups with Siante Evans and Jamal Roll. So it's not easy to make completions against this Ticats defense. They're going to be smothering the receivers. I know you got guys like Greg Ellingson, Darrell Walker, who are, you know, big name guys who've made a lot of catches and big plays in this game. But if the quarterback can't deliver the ball, it doesn't really matter who's on the receiving end. So I'm looking at uh, Edmonton to maybe try and mix it up screen game, get Wilder involved, make it easier for Taylor Cornelius to get himself some time. And then maybe he'll have an opportunity to show us what he's got. But Mark Washington's got to be licking his chops. Well, I think the guys in the second, I mean, I tried to ask coach Steinauer a little bit about this, about, you know, the secondary when you're facing a rookie quarterback, I mean, are you maybe having a little side bet on who had more picks or even the guys up front who are going to have more sacks? Of course, he gave me a very diplomatic answer, but I'm going to turn it around on you. I mean, within your brotherhood of the defense, there has to be, and I think you said the word licking your chops when you're facing a guy like this. Absolutely. Uh, and I don't want to think that as a defensive back, one of the, the swaggiest, one of the most cocky positions on the field. And I say that because you're going, ag- going up against playmakers from the other team. Often as a DB, these guys are taller than you. Sometimes they're faster than you. They probably get more pub than you on the news. They get more calls too. You know what? And that's the thing. You got to talk to these refs about the calls that these receivers get. No, I'm just joking. But uh, (laughs) as a DB, you got to have a level of confidence. And I think that when you're going up against, uh, you know, brand name receivers and a quarterback who is his new, you look at that as an opportunity to cement yourself as a playmaker. So you can't wait for an opportunity for coach to call man to man coverage and you can get up there and show your stuff. Or if, you know, it's second and long because they're not generating a lot of uh, offense on first down. You know, those are passing situations. You've been studying those few opportunities where, you know, you get a certain formation, the receivers are lined up in a certain way in a certain zone of the field. They're probably going to go to this signature play. This is the one where I'm going to take my chance, roll the dice and go for the big interception. So as a defensive back going up against a relatively young quarterback in the league, you're dying for an opportunity to make a big play that could change the game. I think we're going to see some of these ball hawks going for the big one. And, you know, you kind of tease some of the names that I think that I need to go over in terms of the Elks offense, because I, I, I'm really surprised they're two and seven. And I know they've had some issues at quarterback and COVID has been an issue, a big issue for the team as well in the middle of the season. When I think 
Greg Ellingson, and these are former some a former teammate of yours, Greg Ellingson, uh, Daryl Walker, and Mike Jones, who is one of the fastest guys out there. This is a talented wide receiving group that can really uh, you know stretch that defense. And, and to be fair, I want to say I think Mike Jones actually found a home for himself here in Edmonton. He's been more involved. Uh, earlier in the year, I think he he does a lot of good things, taking the top off of the defense, creating opportunities for other guys because he is a mismatch for a lot of DBs. This guy can straight burn it. He can get down the field in a hurry. And then you got a big body like Greg Ellingson, a.k.a. the Jelly Man. He has made <laughs> some of the best catches in CFL recent history. I mean, we're talking about all the way back to when it was a playoffs and he was in Ottawa against the tiger cats and he oh, made that big oh, catch to send them oh. to the cup was it is it too soon is it it's still too soon i mean he's 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 a big time guy that you gotta pay attention to and respect because you know he's gonna get his touches especially on second down so uh, a young quarterback's gonna use him as somewhat of a security blanket if you will when it's time to to go and get that first down and then darrell walker he has 457 yards 43% of those have come yards after the catch. So, I mean, he's not a guy who's going to go down easy. He's going to get the ball. He's going to look for extra yardage. He's going to try and create a play. So it's it's like you got a lot of weapons over there. Sometimes the schedule and the way it plays out and the way the ball bounces, it just doesn't work out for you. But that doesn't mean they're not a pro team with pride, with their jobs on the line, who are going to show up and, and not give you the best fight of that they can give you. I think you're going to see sparks fly, especially in the first quarter coming off a of bye. It has a the ability to energize you and give you a little boost. But if the Ticats can tame the Elks in the first quarter, that could take some of the edge off and make it a little bit easier. If they let them hang around, and especially if they let them score in the first quarter, then these Elks could be dangerous. I think football, and I've said this to many people in many different interviews and situations, it, it's, the, it's the most grand game because for, you know, there may be 60, 70, 80 offensive plays in a game. If you're going to run a draw play, all 12 people have to be doing something. If you're running a, 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 a three-man zone defense, everyone's got to be occupying something. Like every single play for it to be successful or for the defense to blow it up, You've got to do something special. So let me introduce this topic to you. What is the head-to-head -head battle that really turns you on in this game, which could be advantage Hamilton? Well, I think Hamilton has a great player who he's playing next to a potential Hall of Famer in Simone Lawrence. So he doesn't get the shine that I think he really deserves with the type of numbers that he's been putting up. And that's Jovan Santos Knox. This guy has been a stalwart for us, plugging it up in that middle linebacker position and going up head to head with James Wilder, who is what I think is the engine that makes this Elks offense go. I mean, Wilder is a guy who is tough to tackle. He's second in the league in explosive runs with 24, and that's any rush over 10 yards. So when he touches the ball, he can get a first down at any point in time. I mean, he's a big guy. He plays with energy, and he really is all about trying to put the team on his back and carry them when he needs to. So I want to see how Jovan Santos Knox has a battle with Wilder in the box and on the perimeter where Wilder can be a tricky guy to bring down. That's a battle that I'm paying very close attention to. 
be surprised that he has been so successful. You look at a lot of the running backs that have been successful in both the National Football League and the CFL, and they generally want to put their head down or they want their shoulders. He has a sort of upright running style, which I find amazing that he's avoided injuries throughout his career. Well, you know, it is an unorthodox running style that he has because he's built unorthodox. You know, he's a taller guy compared to the the John Whites and the the Sutton, Terrell Suttons of the league. He's a taller guy, big frame. He's got some speed on him, but he's not necessarily going to break it away from you. I think he's just a really tough, hard-nosed running back. And he has a little bit of that ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's super effective in the screen game. He can block a little bit. So that gets you on the field and gives you an opportunity to be in more variety of play calls. So while there's a guy, he did his thing with Toronto for a while, came out to the Elves, got re-energized. And I think that, you know, averaging 75 yards a game, he's one of only two guys who's on pace to hit a thousand yards this season. You cannot overlook him in the scouting report. I'm watching to see how they get him involved early and if the Ticats have a game plan to shut him down so that he he isn't the spark plug. You know, it's amazing. The Tiger Cats, the, Joe Van Santos Knox is the third middle linebacker the Tiger Cats have had in virtually three seasons. And I know one was taken away from COVID. Uh, what, what are his strengths? Because you're right. I mean, I look at him too and kind of a mucky player, I think. I mean, he's uh, not flashy as you talked about because he does play beside Simone. And I guess when Simone's on the, uh, on the field, you don't have to say much because someone else is going to be doing all the talking. Well, and, and that's exactly what it is. You know, some guys bring the microphone, some guys bring the hard hat. I think some <laughs> Simone is one of those guys where you cannot ignore him. So uh, playing next to him, it's more of it's not even that it's a supporting role. It's a tandem role with the mic and the will. They go hand in hand. So if we're reading the same keys on that offensive line, if we see them stepping down and I got the B gap and you got that backside A gap, I know that you're right there beside me. Jovan Santos Knox doing his job allows Simone Lawrence to be free, allows him to make some of the plays that he makes. Jovan Santos Knox is the one calling out the fronts. He's the one directing the D-line. He's the one who's telling Simone where to drop in coverage. Because sometimes, I'll tell you, maybe Sim might get a little bit excited and just needs somebody to rein him in and say, hey, remember, next play, you got to go here because you're going to get opportunity to make a pick that's going to end the game. So it's not that you know, either of these players necessarily is carrying the other, but it's the synergy of the two, having one person who's able to identify, point things out, get them set up. Another person who's flying around making acrobatic plays that you really don't. Simone Lawrence was leading in touchdowns at one point. <laughs> but do you think that, you know, do you think that he can do that by himself? Absolutely not. You need somebody who's your, 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 partner in crime who's going to allow you to have the confidence to step out on that limb and make those plays so I think it's a, a great team that doesn't get enough credit and I'm really watching Santos not closely to see if he can bounce back from a game where he didn't have as many tackles but he played a quiet role in the win last week all right, number 22, we've looked at this contest, this upcoming contest from various angles, from the Tiger Cats offense, defense, injury, special teams. We've looked at the Elks. Let's, uh, let's get the dice out right now. Let's roll the dice. It's time for Courtney's pick. Okay. Who do, look, who do you got? I, I got to be honest with you. When we're looking at these two teams, if this was a playoff game, which for the Elks it is, 
And depending on what the, the temperature is in the, in the coaching room for the Ticats, it may as well be a playoff game. I, I think you go with the team who's been on the trend that's up and up. And the Ticats are definitely that team. You know, even the losses they had, they were close battles. You know, one point with Toronto twice and the overtime loss with Montreal, like I mentioned. Whereas Edmonton has been playing three quarters of a game for the better half of the season. So I got to go with the Ticats in this one. I think it starts out as a battle and I think they separate late in this late in the game. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw both quarterbacks get some action, Dane Evans come in and even uh, make some plays so that they can be ready to roll right into the playoffs. Everybody firing on all cylinders. It's interesting that you see that. Let's just touch on that for a second here. Is that like a Dane Evans like package or something or, or with Jeremiah starting as quarterback? You know what? I think, I think that's something that you do because you got to think as another team, right? When it's second and one, for example, they bring in a quarterback who specializes in quarterback sneaks. Now, that's one way of looking at it. But what if you bring in a wildcat that is not actually a wildcat, but he's actually a full-fledged quarterback? So Dane Evans is a guy who can, yes, he can sneak the ball for that long one yard on that second down and try to get you another fresh set of downs. Or he can come in under center, get you into the play call on defense that they want you in and then back up into the shotgun. And now you have to face a full-fledged offense. That's a different level of versatility that allows um, that two quarterbacks, two fully capable quarterbacks allows you to have. I'm looking for Tommy Condell to do some things to shake up that Elks defense, keep them on their toes. And, and honestly, keep Dane engaged because he is a quarterback that's capable of starting in this league, producing points and getting wins. I want to see how the Ticats keep Jeremiah Masoli and Dane Evans engaged in this offense. Do you want to coach? Oh no. I want to sit back here. I want to sit back here and watch and eat popcorn because it's so much easier. <laughs> well, folks, there you go. It's game day here on the Tiger Cats audio network. It's a biggie for the Tiger Cats as they make that little late season charge to hopefully first place in the East division after what has been a challenging season so far. And of course, Courtney Steven there breaking it down for all of us here. Hey, we've got all day coverage here leading up to the big kickoff. This is just the beginning. Of course, our boy Louis uh, Budko and Andy Fantus will take things over on the pregame show. And of course, RJ and Mr. Tucker have the game call. It's going to be a great day of football here on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. This has been game day. Courtney Stevens joining us. Thank you. That's been an outstanding breakdown. I'm your host, Bubba O'Neill. Stick with us on the Tiger Cats Audio Network.